uh, I just want to talk to you briefly, and it kind of goes along with what we were singing about. And I want to talk about seven promises that we can, uh, that we get when we seek God. You know, we're having a prayer meeting tonight, but I kind of want to get some direction. And if you have a copy of God's Word, you can <clears throat> turn to Psalm 91, and we're going to explore three verses, 14 through 16. And tonight we will be seeking the God who first sought us. Before we go to the main text, my, my purpose here is to kind of give you, uh, I guess, a launching pad in prayer. I want you to see that you're not going to a God who is tolerating you. You know, we think like we're bugging God or we're badgering God. That is not the case. We are going to the God who loves us, right? Who created us and loves us. Look at 1 John 4.10. This is love. Not that we loved God. Can you read that slowly? Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but God loved us and sent his son. See, all of these ways that when we seek God is based on his love that he already has for us. And then we reciprocate that love. We, you know, everything that God does for us, he's doing it because he is God, right? He is, he is love. We possess love, but God is love. And so when he pours out his grace upon us, we're responding to his love. We're responding to what he wants to do in our life. Now, do we love him perfectly? Obviously not, right? We fall short every day. But the point is we seek him because he first love us, loves us. So if we think that God's in heaven just saying, oh, here they go again, badgering me with another need, that is not the God of the Bible. When his children come to him, I believe that God is anxious to lend an ear and listen because the Bible says that he knows what we need before we ask him. You see, true faith in Christ is that reciprocated love that God gives us and we give back. Remember, we are declared the righteousness of God. Not that we do righteous things, right? We do righteous things, but that's not what saves us. You know, on the last day when, when we stand before God, God is going to basically, if he were to take us on our own righteousness and weigh us in a scale, we would be found wanting. Every single day of our life that we live this life without Christ, when that day comes, that person will stand before God and be condemned. But the fact that Christ has died for us, justified us, and we talk about this all the time, but these are doctrines that are very important because a lot of people get their, their stance in Christ confused with the things that they do for Christ. You are justified and able to carry out the works of God because Christ has justified us, right? We are declared righteous. It's a free gift that God gives to his people. And these promises that we talk about, or we're going to talk about, are to the righteous. Being justified now gives us the opportunity to be sanctified. And we talked a little bit about this Sunday with the tongue, right? We're, we're walking out our sanctification, and then one day we will be glorified at the rapture of the church, rapture plug again. Psalm 5, Psalm 5 verse 12, listen to this. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. 
Now think about this. This is a promise to you and me. He will bless the righteous and surround them with favor. That means on both sides, the front, the back, underneath, and on top. Now I want you to look at seven promises in three verses that are given to the child of God. God commits himself to these seven promises in response to us loving and seeking him. Here it is in Psalm 91, 14 and 16. It says, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him behold my salvation. Like I said earlier, when God promises you something, you could take it all the way to the bank and cash it. Now, I want you to note seven observations from these three verses. Number one, I will deliver him. This means that Satan will not be able to hold you in bondage. This is a promise. He promises deliverance to the child of God. God is able to save you from depression, drug addiction, any vice that is on the menu of life. God can deliver you from it. There's absolutely no battle that the Lord cannot win on your behalf. Every vice that has a grip on you presently or in the past must loosen its grip in the name of Jesus. Just by the mere mention of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that grip must loosen. This question was asked of Jesus, uh, of the pool of Bethesda, of the man that was sick for 38 years. And he says, do you want to be made well? Remember blind Bartimaeus? He said, what do you want me to do for you? See, back in those days, people were professional beggars. And some people like to sit in their vice. Some people like to sit next to their burning pile of trash like we talked about Sunday. Some people like the comfort that their vice brings. So that's why Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? And I believe that Jesus is asking the same question tonight. You know, some people just don't even go to God with things because they're so frustrated with their prayer life, right? Say, I've been praying, I've been praying. I want to encourage you, keep praying. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. You do not know what is going on behind the scenes in that prayer that you are praying. And many times we just give up before the prayer is answered. Right? Am I talking to the right people? Listen, God is able to show up mightily in your battle. He is able to show up mightily. God promises protective, delivering allegiance. God is on your side. Do you need protection in your health? Do you need protection in, in emotional, physical help? Do you need, do you need help in your finances? You know, because I know we're in a, a, a pinch right now with the economy, but God is still able to make a way where there seems to be no way. God can deliver your children from the grip of this world's system. Are you asking God? Are, are you just taking for granted that God knows what I need and I'm just going to ask him to do it all without asking him? I'm just going to expect. No, God wants us to partner with him in prayer. The second thing, he says, I will set him securely on high, verse 14. That means God will take care of your reputation. Promotion comes from God. Some label you by your past mistakes, 
by the things, your lowest point in your life. And some people say you'll never be anything beyond that. Listen, all that matters is what God says about you. All that matters is what God thinks about you. Listen, if you please God, it does not matter who you displease. And if you please men, and, and, and if you, but at the same time, if you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. The only person we are living our life for is God Almighty. Remember, his mercies are new every morning. If you blew it last night, you can wake up brand new in the morning. Do you believe that? Or do you walk around in condemnation? Look at Job. The Bible says that his second half of his life was better than the first part of his life. Are you set securely on, on solid ground right now? God can bring favor in every situation in your life. Every situation. Remember, he is our provider. He is our keeper, our strength, our, our, our savior in the time of need. Listen, when everyone else exits stage left in your life, God will never abandon you. God will never abandon you. He has plans to prosper you and plans to show you things, great and mighty things that you do not yet know. Are you asking him? Or, or are you expecting God to move mightily? Some of you might have faced abandonment by your mother or your father. But God is not like that. He is a perfect father. If your parents didn't go to your games, I can assure you God was rooting from you for the stand, from the stands in heaven. Some of you were single mothers. And you were at wit's end, raising your children. And you thought that no one was with you, but God is with you. He was with you, strengthening you. But you did it. Sometimes you have to work two jobs. But you did it because God placed you, placed you securely as a mother. He set you high on your circumstances. and You didn't even realize it. He built the strength and character that you did not know that you needed. Do you believe that? And he built a bond with you and your child. And, and your child saw you work hard, and now your child works hard. You didn't know that you needed to teach them that. He strengthened you in your weakness. When you were tired, he was there. He raised you up. He gave you the ability to keep going. For the fathers that didn't have a good role model, God emptied himself into that father and gave him that fatherly trait, and you did it. You didn't have a role model, but God said, this is how you parent. And I'm going to give you love for that child, and it's going to flow through him. If you had good parents and a good marriage that you saw modeled, that was God that kept them together, that strengthened them, that gave them everything that they needed, because he is the author of marriage. True security comes from the God who has no shadow of turning. God is in the business of keeping us secure. Number three, he shall call upon me and I will answer. That's the greatest news that you'll hear tonight. Because you're not making a call to the White House. You're not making a call to the, to, to, to Baton Rouge. You're making a call to God Almighty that's not going to wring his hands and say, I haven't gotten all the facts. God is able to change every circumstance. When you drop on your knees, you are literally talking to the God of the universe that can snap his fingers and everything can change. See, prior to Christ, we were outside of that ability of having God's ear. 
Now that we are His, we have the privilege in prayer. And that's what we're going to do tonight. God will always answer. It's yes, no, or wait. He always answers. He never does not answer. So if you knew that you could go to God and ask Him, and you knew that you would get an answer, what would you do in prayer? Listen, all of this happened because of the divine exchange that happened at the cross. Remember, God turned his head for Jesus. Remember, he said, why hast thou forsaken me? He turned his head so he can turn his head to you. That's the greatest news. I, it, all of this is the greatest news. When we think about the fact that the God of the universe wants a relationship with us, has initiated the relationship with us, and we get to respond to a loving father, you can rest assured that God is listening. What do you need God to do in your life? If you knew that God would answer, what would you ask God? That's the mindset I want you to have tonight. It's the privilege of prayer, that we can bring our, our petitions to him and expect him to answer. This is kind of important. And there's also another aspect. Sometimes we obstruct the ability for God to answer our prayers. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Number four, I will be with him in trouble. Verse 15. Listen, God doesn't send someone. He shows up himself. I think of the three Hebrew boys that went in the fiery furnace and there was Jesus. I take comfort in the fact that no matter what it is that I am going through or that you are going through, no matter how deep the water gets, he will put floaties on you. He will allow you to walk on the water. He'll send a boat. And he'll send fish to deliver you where you need to go. But he will deliver you and put you on dry ground. Listen, Satan will never stop coming after you. You need to know that. There's never a smooth sailing in Christianity. You and I are on hell's bulletin board next to the coffee pot, whether you like it or not. As people of faith, we need to know that God is with us in our dinner furnace. Spurgeon said, whatever that trouble is, I will be with him. If we are dishonored, if we're struck with poverty, if sickness visits us, if friends and family flee, I will be with him in that trouble. He is there in every trauma of life. When God is with us in times of trouble, we can sing in the jail of uncertainty and expect to bring converts with us. Amen. Number five, I will honor him. Verse 15, having God honor you is all you need. His praise is all that matters, right? God will raise you up at the right time. You could take that to the bank as well. Number six, with long life, I will satisfy him, verse 16. Literally, this is a full life, lacking nothing. And I know immediately you say, well, people die young that are Christians. God will give you an abundant life. This means that God will add years to your life and life to your years. Come on, we can live 40 years and completely waste it and then live a 10 years as a Christian. And those 10 years are more blessed than the other years. I don't know how this always comes about, but I know in the famine or the heartbreak or, dis or disappointment, you can be full. In the heat of the fire, you can be fully hydrated, right? In the coldness of circumstance, the coat of grace can cover you and warm you. 
And number seven, I will show him my salvation. Verse 16, the word for salvation is Yeshua, which is the Hebrew word for Jesus. God will show us Jesus. The longer we walk with the Lord, the more we get to know him, the more that we see his awesomeness on a daily basis. He can rain, he can rain manna from heaven, right? He could send a legion of angels to defeat one enemy. He can give you pinpoint accuracy with the rocks for the giant. And you can rest assured that when you look at Satan eye to eye and nose to nose, Jesus Christ has your back. He will send confusion into the camp of those that are trying to destroy you. He can set a table in the battlefield as bullets are flying over your head. You need to know these truths and you need to speak these truths. And notice these are not in the answered prayer. These are in the seeking God that he promises these things. You know, it's in the seeking that's really pulling you. And, and it's in the perseverance. Sometimes when we get our prayers answered, we're like, good, I'm, I'm, I'm great, man. God's good. We're good. And we just kind of want to float in that situation. We just want to float in God, God's goodness. And then when it doesn't go the way we want, we automatically assume that God's not with us, that he's left us. But that's in the moments when you feel like you can't go on and you realize that you made it through. That's that sufficient grace. Every day I just pray, God, give me the grace that is sufficient for today. For the troubles that are coming today, Lord, I know that you will be with me. You will guide me. You will be with every worry that I have, everything that I am concerned about. And I will bring it before you and I will go to bed and go to sleep knowing that you will work it out for your glory and for my good. Amen. Now, I want to spend some time in prayer. We can have the worship team come up. And I want us to go ahead and stand. Come on. I know y'all are tired from the day, but I believe we're going to get some, some traction. Amen. Let's spend some time in prayer. But let's start by removing the obstacle of prayer, uh, the obstacles that hinder prayer. Let's start with repentance. You know, Psalms 24, 3 through 5, it says, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Who may ascend to the, to, in the, in the hill of the Lord? Those that are born again, those that Christ has received unto himself. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Do you have wickedness in your heart? Is there a sin that you are playing footsies with tonight? I want to encourage you to lay that sin down before God. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the sin that God keeps saying, not see that right there is hindering you. Come on, God doesn't wink at sin. He's provided everything that we need to, to remove ourselves from that sin. But like we talked about Sunday, we use our legs to run to that sin or we use our legs to run to righteousness. God has given you a choice. The Bible says to choose life. What about forgiveness? Psalms 28, 9, he who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Come on, are you listening to the law? Which means God's word. In other words, God has told you, you need to make it right with your brother or sister. Listen what it says here. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there, remember, your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar 
and go first be reconciled to your brother. Then come present your offering. If you have prayers that have not been hindered or you feel like you are stuck, you need to know that God will not bend on this because this is his word. If he would go against his word, he would be a liar. And God is not a liar. Remember, he is not a God that would lie. And God will sweat you out. You got that pride in your heart and you say, I refuse to make it right. God will say, that's fine. We're going to put this prayer on hold. Because God wants the brethren and the sister wrens <laughs> to be reconciled. Listen, we serve the God of reconciliation. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. How dare we hold things in our heart towards our brother or sister? And then the husbands and wives are not off the, off the hook either. It says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker since she is a woman. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, that your prayers not be hindered. You might be in the middle of a battle with your spouse. Once again, God will say that prayer. And listen, some of us have kids, right? We don't want our kids out in this world and not being covered with prayer. How easy is it to lay our pride aside and say, God, I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve your mercy because I'm holding someone or my wife or my friend in, in this bondage of, of, of unforgiveness. And yet I expect you to answer my prayer. May that never be said about us in the kingdom of heaven, right? So let's spend some time in repentance. Father, we come in the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we know that if we have any ought against our brother or our sister or our husband or our wife, God, Father, we know that it ties your hands. So God, we choose this day right now to lay those things down. Father, we ask that you would invade us with the grace that we need to mentally declare right now. I know that some of you may not feel like forgiving. I know you, you probably say, but you don't know what they did. Oh, I, believe me, I go through that as well. But I want you to make a mental note that, God, I'm going to choose to forgive this person regardless of what they said, regardless of what they did, with the key motive of knowing that I am asking you for forgiveness and I'm, des I'm desiring the grace that I need. Father, I would be a hypocrite if I expected you to forgive me and yet held somebody in unforgiveness so can we make that right can we make a decision that God I'm going to make a decision right now to lay that down and to forgive and I don't have to feel I don't have to feel anything I just need to make a choice and I know that in making that choice that it honors you and you will give me the grace to feel it you will give me the grace to do it that's all I'm asking you to do tonight I'm not asking you to, 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 to all of a sudden snap out of it. I'm asking you to make a decision. Can you do that tonight? Can you do that tonight? I, I want you to do this. This is serious business, man. Come on, some, some of you have desire needs that God is, is waiting to answer, but he will not break his word. He will not go against his word. If you, if you have ought with your husband or your wife, I want you to make a decision tonight. That, Lord, even though she burnt the toast, I'm going to forgive her. <laughs> even though she put too much mayonnaise in the potato salad and won't make it like I want, I'm going to choose to let it go. 
or if it's something that's major. God, I'm, I'm going to choose. No matter if she changes or he changes, I'm going to choose to look through the, the eyes, through the lens of forgiveness. And listen, now that we're able to do that, the Bible says to come boldly to the throne of grace during our time of need. So let's just spend some time worshiping God. Amen. Can we do that? Can we worship God for who he is? Hey! 
more. He needs to pour His Spirit out on us. You know, if we want revival to come, it has to start with us. God needs to revive us. He needs to take that stony heart that sometimes complacency adds to, right? We, some of us are just used to being saved. The Bible says to return back to our first love. Remember when you couldn't wait to crack your Bible open. Remember when you couldn't wait to get to lunch just so you could spend time with the Lord. That's the kind of going back that we need to go to. Come on, some of us have just been through so much trauma in our walk that it has hardened us. Weariness has gotten to us. You know, Satan's job is to wear out the saints. Come on, are you feeling wore out tonight? God can revive your soul and revive your heart. Let's pray for that. God, I pray right now. Lord, you see where everybody is. Lord, you see exactly what they are dealing with. You see the level of frustration. You see the level of hardness. God, we're asking that you would begin to plow up our stony hearts. Lord, maybe it is unforgiveness that we've had towards a fellow brother or sister or our wife. God, I'm asking that you would give us the compassion and grace that we need to see them as you see them, Lord. God, I'm asking right now that you would empower your church, Lord, to be a forgiving church. Lord, to be a merciful church. Come on, ask God for more mercy. You open your mouth and you ask God. I, I, I can't ask for you. It has to be a cry of your heart. God, I'm asking that you would start with me, that you would allow me to be merciful as you are merciful. Lord, that you would allow me to be gracious as you are gracious. Lord, that you would allow me to be long-suffering. Lord, that I, would, that I would not hold people's sins against them, Lord, just as I expect you not to hold them against me. Come on, we need more love in our lives. We see the world around us is hardening like, like water to cement powder, and it's affecting us. It's affecting our mind. It's affecting our will. We're with wanting to withhold grace and all of these things towards people because we see it modeled by the world. But God has called us to rise above that, that standard. And he has called us to be the church. We are the church triumphant. God put us here. And I say it all the time. He didn't put the church in Acts, in Antioch here. He put the church here right now. We are still living out the book of Acts. And this is the church's finest hour. It's time to rise up and dust ourselves off of the complacency that the world has intoxicated us with. Come on, we need revival in our church. We need revival in our communities. Can you ask God, God, how can I be a part of this? What do you want me to do in your kingdom? What do you want me to do at work? What words do I need to speak to the person next to me at my job, at my family? Or am I using my tongue to tear down? Or am I using my tongue to build up? What is God asking you to do? Come on, do you ask God that or do you just give him your prayer list? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with bringing him our needs. He wants us to do that. But have we ever said, God, what do you want me to do? God, I'm not going to bring you my need today. I know that you have my need. I brought you my need yesterday. What do you want me to do, God? Come on, can you ask God, God, where do I need to serve in your kingdom? Where do I need to serve in my community?
Are you being a voice of reconciliation? Are you bringing division? Come on, that's a real question that I want you to ask in your family. Are you being part of the problem? Are you being part of the solution? Are you putting the fires out in the family turmoil? Are you keeping it going? Oh God, help us. Help us to be soft-hearted. Help us to be inflamed with the glory of God, Lord. Lord, we ask right now that, Lord, that you would touch us, Lord, mightily, God, that you would give us the grace that we need first to live out the gospel and, Lord, the grace to, to be the gospel. The good news, Lord, that our testimony, Lord, that people would not be repulsed by our actions, but, Father, our actions would line up with the gospel. Father, we come right now in the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we're asking that you would stir us up by the way of reminder. God, that we would go back to that first love, Lord. God, the, the love of your word, the love of your presence. Come on, is that your cry? Now, what need do you have? God, I'm asking that you would meet this need, whatever that is. Remember, we have all the all attentive ear of God. What are you asking God to do? What are you ask? Are you asking God to, to, to move mightily in your family? Are you asking God to strengthen you as a witness? What are you asking God for? I believe that God can answer that. Come on. Father, we ask right now, whatever needs that are represented here, Lord, we once again, we join our faith together as the church triumphant. And God, I ask that you would meet whatever need is present here. Come on. Some of us are standing in the gap for the healing of family members. And friends, God, we're asking that you would meet those needs. Your word says that by your stripes, we are healed. So God, we thank you right now for hearing and for answering our prayer. God, we ask that you would use us mightily, God. If maybe God is asking you, I want you to call somebody and pray for them. I want you to step out of the boat. And I want you to be the, 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 the living testimony to that person. Come on, are you up for the challenge? Come on, sometimes you need to open your mouth. God has called you to your that specific area. Come on, are you embracing that call on your life? God, I pray that you would give your people a greater sense of purpose. God, that you would you would stir them up. Come on, are you asking God to stir him up, to stir you up? Are you asking him? Come on, we come to church and we say, it's like we just say, feed me, feed me, feed me. And that's good to be fed, but what are you doing with the words that you're hearing? What are you doing with God's words in your day-to-day -day living? Come on, say, God, I want you to give me more ability to apply your word. I thank you for the grace that is sufficient. Lord, as we spoke about Sunday, are you practicing holding your tongue? I've been practicing all week. I've been latching my tongue to the roof of my mouth. That's a good illustration of applying what you heard on Sunday. And are you doing it this week? That is your sanctification. Father, I ask right now that you would ever keep us mindful of the things that you have already instructed us to do in your word. Come on, man. This is, this is what, this is what Christianity is about. It's not about the goosebumps. It's not about feelings. It's about doing the right things for the glory of God.
just sit in his presence. Come on, I feel that God is doing some things. I believe that God is convicting some hearts. And conviction is not a bad thing. It's an evidence that you belong to him. Sometimes you're worried, am I saved, am I not? You go back and forth. Listen, if God convicts you, that is evidence that you belong to him. And you to rest in that assurance that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. I believe that some of you are always going in and out. And you're not sure where you stand with God. Listen, if you've committed your life to Christ, and that's simply by going to him, and in understanding that we are not right in our own righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. So we don't operate out of our own righteousness. We operate out of the righteousness that Christ has given us through his death. And when you believe with all of your heart, when you entrust in that work, at the finished work of the cross, you are declared righteous. And there you operate in sanctification. And I want you to stop getting it confused when you mess up that, oh, I blew it. God doesn't love me. That's where the grace of God is applied. And I'm telling you, I keep telling you this from this pulpit because that is where people are. They feel like they don't match up and you do not match up. You match up in Christ. And that should give you the security that you need to live this life. So can we just take a moment and thank Christ for our salvation. It is not old news. It is not stale bread. It's not an afterthought. It is the very, it is the very thought that we should have that brings us up and know that we are worthy because what Christ has done. Father, we thank you right now for salvation. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We are your children. Lord, we're thankful that we could come to you on Wednesday night, God, and not expect you to cast us aside or to remove us from your presence. But Lord, I thank you right now that we are your children. We are, we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. God, you have given us everything that we need to carry out this life. Father, you have equipped us. You have empowered us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you've given us all that we would ever need, as Peter says, for life and godliness. So I want you to settle it in your heart right now. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus, you are the righteousness of God. And out of that righteousness, you will do great and mighty things for the Lord. And I declare that by faith over every single one of you that are sitting in here and that are watching online. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. The devil comes and tells you that you're nothing, that God is mad at you, that, that, he, that God is, is angry with you. That's what the devil wants you to feel condemned. He is the he's the the one who condemns. But Jesus says that we are his righteousness. Paul told us that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I want you to say that to yourself every single day. There is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. Do you receive that tonight? 
Well, let's close up with prayer because time is ticking. Father, we come right now and we thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we thank you for this time in your presence. Father, we thank you that we have we have felt your word. We have felt your power. Lord, that we have felt uh, your presence through worship. Father, I thank you for the worship team. Lord, I thank you for what they have brought before you. Lord, I thank you for those that are here. God, I pray that you have imparted some, some great things, Lord, that you've encouraged them through your word. God, we honor you with our time. Lord, we honor you with our night. And Father, we wake up tomorrow morning with brand new grace, the sufficient grace that we need. Father, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Come on, give God a round of applause. Praise you, God. We glorify you, God. Thank you, Lord. Listen, we'll be up here if you need prayer for anything. God bless you. Good night.